You're listening to Drinking Socially, the official Untapped podcast, your weekly look into what's happening in the Untapped community and the world of beer. I'm Kyle. And I'm Tim. Drinking Socially is released every Wednesday morning and can be found at podcast.untapped.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. The fidelity here of this call is very good, I would say, uh, probably because we're in the same room. Hey, how about <laughs> I, that? I don't know. I feel like I should be looking directly at the monitor and not to my left, yeah. like peeking out of my my um, whatever peripheral vision just to make sure that you're still there. I'm not relying on the satellite Internet today. Oh, thank goodness. Thank goodness. <laughs> the uh, the like 800 millisecond delay uh, for it to bounce up into the sky off the satellite and then come back down to the middle of the country somewhere. I, I, I don't know actually where that signal gets sent, but it's not anywhere close to me. So I'm glad that we've been able to kind of shorten the uh, the distance that my voice has to travel. Uh, hopefully it also makes it a little easier to edit and and align for our editor so that'll be good and um, this this is we're, we're back we're back to our weekly schedule. Thank goodness no more pre-recording. Um, because I am back after my trip, uh, took a couple of weeks off to head over to Europe, which was pretty fantastic. First time. Yes. First time. Okay. First time, longest flight I've ever been on. Mm -hmm. It was, it was pretty great. Um, we spent some time in Paris and Amsterdam and since it was a family trip, I, I can't say that we did a lot of beer based activities. So I don't have any, you know, super amazing stories to share, unfortunately. But now I'm very much inspired to go back and... Uh, you mean, sorry, let me interject here. Super amazing beer stories to share here. I think, for the most part, you <laughs> you had probably a great family time. But oh, yes. For, for the things that would pique the interest of our listeners here on this program. Yes. Not, not particularly interesting, uh, beer-wise. No, not particularly. I mean, okay. it, obviously, um, Paris is more about wine. Amsterdam amazing beer mm -hmm. um but did just just didn't have didn't uh, have the time to wander around from you know brewery to brewery or anything like that but um i did manage to uh make it to a couple or uh, i mean to at least one uh which was in amsterdam and it was a verified venue too which i think was the coolest part uh seeing the the menu that they had uh seeing that you know across the world as it were from us uh, that you were able to find sort of a, a diamond in the in the rough, you know? Yes, indeed. It was actually a verified venue, which I honestly, I didn't realize until after I had already been there. So I didn't even look at the menu beforehand. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm not going to get the Dutch pronunciation right, but Brewery IJ. Um, okay. I, as somebody, one of the people there told me how to pronounce it and I had it and now it's just, I'm spacing on it exactly. Mm -hmm. It's like, mm -hmm. it's like Brewery I. I, I, I something okay. along those lines. I can't remember exactly, but um, it's one of the oldest breweries there, and it's actually built under the oldest windmill in Amsterdam, which is about two hundred year old windmill. Wow, Wood, wooden, I assume. Yes, uh, yeah, exactly. Okay. Like right, what right. you would expect from you know a classic, very old windmill mm -hmm. from that neck of the, the woods, the Dutch countryside. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and it was very cool. We just decided to go over there, took the metro over. Um, it was fantastic um, seeing just – it had been gloomy and the sun had just come out. Um, place was packed um, and we just had to wait in line, um, order a couple of beers. They have a little food stand um, part uh, that has cheese and sausage that was oh. just amazing. And we just hung out there. And it was, um, it was interesting seeing um, a menu that didn't feature all IPAs. <laughs> 
you know? <laughs> yeah. That was one of the there, – there were two big takeaways that I noticed um, from beer in Europe, um, namely in Amsterdam, which is where I had more of it, uh, is the lack of IPAs. Okay. Of the IPA proper, right? Or what the, we would expect, like an IPA or pale. It's it's more of the classic European styles that you see, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was – it was a nice switch up because obviously we're – ipa lovers and hop heads and so being able to switch it up was nice although we're, we're, I, we're west coasties right we're <laughs> yeah i did i did have one um i did have one new england style hazy ipa from a local amsterdam brewery yeah so it was interesting trying a style that is so prevalent here in another country mm-hmm. that was really cool huh um and also prices prices okay. are so low of the beer oh for beer yeah mm. it's almost cheaper than water at times <laughs> You're talking like you're talking like probably like three fifty to four fifty euro uh, mm-hmm. a pint. No, well, not a pint. Um, what are the glass? Um, it's not a full pint. I don't know. It's uh, again the CLs, the the yeah. centiliter mm-hmm. measurements really mm-hmm. threw me off a little yep. bit too. Yep. Yep. So between like a thirty three or a fifty. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, uh, CLs or CCs or uh, CL, I believe the thirty three CL. Yeah, I'm uh, converting. I'm sure to uh, kilometers and Celsius and and all that um, is while we're still catching up with the rest of the world. Uh, it's nice to kind of get a dose of how how the rest of the world lives and you know how scientifically proper a lot of those things are which i i thoroughly appreciate yes um but it it is really hard to acclimate to that and then come back here and uh try and convert that back to ounces right since i did not spend enough time wandering around breweries yeah to get too far into it i don't have to worry about it but it was interesting going there and being i remember we went to a german restaurant Mm. and um i ordered a 50 i think it was a 50 cl and it was just like <laughs> so big i was like oh okay oh i guess that's the big one yeah all exactly. right all right yeah exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was pretty cool that sounds like a cool trip though um i would be really curious to to get out there and make it a, a strictly brewery tour oh, yes. i i would it's it's really difficult to say where I would start my journey. Amsterdam would probably be one of the places with, that I would eventually end up, especially being as, it, you know, it kind of embodies a lot of different cultures of, of that whole area um, and, and has, you know – Roots it, with both kind of, you know, German styles and, and adjacent countries just sort of in that area. I did get a lot of recommendations on my check-ins while I was there of other breweries that I did ah, not get a chance to okay. go to. So there are many. Plus, um, I did notice, too, that Amsterdam has a very uh, – in the central area has a very good um, uh, mix of verified venues, mm. which hmm. was pretty cool. All right. Okay. All right. But so uh, go- I, a good list to kind of maybe get started and uh, yes, and make your sure. way around the city. Sure. That's cool. That's really, really cool. Well, uh, speaking of once-in-a-lifetime experiences, and <laughs> uh, I, I kind of alluded to it uh, briefly, uh, saying that we were West Coasties. But let's get something to drink. Let's try today's beer. Uh, Tim, what is this? Where did you get it? And and how? So uh, I thought uh, I got to get it. First off, I have a big shout out to my friend Matt for hooking this up. He specifically held on to this and gave it to me saying, you guys need to do this on your podcast. So I've been holding on to it, waiting for this day. And I kind of figured we're together um, and in honor of coming back from Europe, even though I didn't end up. Actually, I, I went through Belgium. Okay. Didn't, didn't stay there. We took the train through Belgium, unfortunately. But uh, today we actually have a bottle of the Trappist West Veltrin 12. 
And according to the cap, this is actually a 2015 release. For those who are in the beer world, this is usually referred to as a Westie 12. I get your uh, your comment there. Your little but we're West Coasties. Yes, I get you're yeah, yeah, alluding. I tried. I tried. No, it worked. Um, this is coming from the Abbey St. Sixtus in West Veltrin, Belgium. Um, this particular bottle was imported by the Shelton Brothers. Um, it's a Belgian quad. It's 10.2%, and it is 38 IBU. Um, it, this beer is considered by many to be the best or at least one of the best beers in the world. Um, and it is pretty difficult to get your hands on from mm-hmm. what I from what I've read and what I hear. So where it came from specifically, I don't know, but we have it, and that's all that matters right now. It, it, yes. Thank you so much, uh, Matt, for really kind of hooking us up here um, and letting me partake in, in what could have potentially been me just listening to Tim drink this, which would have been oh, a complete that would have been torture. Mi- yeah. Total torture, misery, uh, just angst, and uh, I would have never let you live it down, ever, pretty much. I'm glad we're not there. Now I could I smelled this immediately when you opened it. I smelled it right away. Mm-hmm. Um, and you took you took a photo of it. It's been sitting for maybe five minutes or so, just enough time for us to do the intro of this podcast. And I'm excited to to dig into it. So smell wise, what what are we getting? I'm getting what I expect from kind of that that dark sort of fruity Belgian sort of thing. Not fruity in the sense of um, a sour or a lambic, but in the sense of, I want to say kind of raisiny. Mm, okay. Maybe. It definitely has a boozy uh, aroma going on there. A little bit it's, of that. It's a mixture of booze and and tartness, though. I definitely can. It, it smells very specifically like walking into a brewery that only does sours, right? And 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 sort of open fermentation stuff. It's almost it's got it's got a little bit of a sweet um a little bit of a sweet sensation, I think, as well. When you said raisin though, it <laughs> this is awful. Opening up like a packet of fruit snacks or a packet of raisins, like going straight into the box and smelling an empty <laughs> box of raisins. <laughs> Uh, it, it brings back so, sort of memories like that. Fr- like you said, fruity, not in a lambic way, but fruity in a maybe almost stone fruit or uh, juicy, like kind of um, rich fruit way. Yeah, I want to I say more along those lines, like the more of the like the fig or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that sort of fruit area. Wow. <laughs> Are you kidding? That taste is mm, that it's very smooth. It's not, it's, it's in no way like a, a boozy bomb. It seems very well balanced, although um, there's definitely some rich characteristics. And it's sort of, um, it hasn't lost its carbonation. It is uh, continuing to kind of bubble in the glass and remains effervescent as even though it's so high ABV. And it's also, I'm not getting the tartness that i got on the nose no um, i mean i don't expect tartness in a quad honestly neither quads, do i quads are usually more of that like sweet boozy right um i don't want to it's not necessarily like a barley wine but that sort of that that's the one of the things i kind of can equate it to a little bit that boozy sweet syrupy good night wow <laughs> Um, I wanted to maybe give you some statistics uh, about this beer in particular, uh, the year that we're drinking right now, the vintage that we've got. Um, this has just over 3,000 ratings um, and was added on the uh, the 4th of April, 2015. 
still comes in at 10.2 ABV and 38 IBUs, like you said. Um, but overall rating out of those 3,000 ratings is 4.52. So obviously way up there. It is probably one of the top beers that we have here on the platform. Let's see when the last check-in was. Uh, I, I love, especially vintages like this, I love seeing when people drink them, uh, whether they make sort of a spectacle of it or they did, do they realize what they have on their hands or, you know, was it some bottle share? I love seeing, you know, part of the story that people tell with their beer. Yes. And I think I looked at a couple of the check-ins on the 2015 and they had the cap in it. You can see on the cap that it doesn't actually say 15. Mm. So that's one of the things um, they put the date on the, um, on the top, all of the details uh, for the beer, all of the legal requirements and the date and everything are on the um, bottle cap from, really? from the Abbey. And it does not have a label. The only reason this bottle has a label is because it was imported. Wow. So you, you got to look on that on the bottle cap for the date. Got it. Okay. So that's that. Wow. <laughs> I love that uh, internally when we talk about like, hey, you know, how do you how do you vintage beers? Does it say it on the label? Uh, this is definitely one of those that is one we have to take into consideration when thinking about that kind of stuff. Like, is it on the cap? Exactly. Is it, you know, is that part of the the quote unquote label, um, even though it's not printed on there, that's that's really really interesting. Um, so some back some backstory on this beer and brewery. So the brewery was actually founded in 1838 at the uh, Trappist Abbey of Saint Sixtus in Veltrin, uh, Belgium. Uh, this West Veltrin 12 or West D12 is considered, like I said, by some to be the best beer in the world. Uh, the beers are not brewed uh, to normal commercial demands, but are sold in small quantities weekly from the doors of the monastery itself to individual buyers um, on advanced order basis. So we had talked about this actually in a news article a while back. That's right. Um, and I believe it was actually the West the West Veltrin that that article was written about. The brewery currently employs three secular workers for various manual labor tasks. Um, however, the primary brewing is actually done by the monks only. Um, and of the 26 Trappists who reside in the Abbey, five of the monks run the brewery with an additional five who assist during the bottling. It's, it's next to no one Yes, uh, and, and putting this together. That's these, incredible. These beers haven't changed much since they were actually you know, started brewing them back in the 1800s. Um, buyers were originally limited to 10 24-bottle crates uh, per car. When it increased in popularity, this was uh, first reduced to five, then three, now two, or one crate. So they've been reducing it as the popularity grows. Mm -hmm. um, for Actually, for West Veltrin 12 in 2009, it was limited to one case per pre-ordered. And the interesting thing here, too, is that sales are limited to one order every 60 days per person per license plate or phone number. Oh, and phone number, excuse me. Uh, the beer must be reserved on their beer phone beforehand. <laughs> and the monks. Sorry, that, that, untapped, coming to beer phones dun, near dun, you. Dun, 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 beer phone. Yeah. Uh, and the monks, they don't, they don't sell beer to individuals who drive up to the Abbey to purchase it. So you have to pre-order it and you have to give them your license plate and phone number and you have to go pick it up and then you cannot go back for 60 days. Hmm. Um, the reason here really is to eliminate the commercial reselling, um, and give all visitors an equal chance to purchase the product. And really, um, the monks say at this Abbey, the, the, the point of brewing the beer is not necessarily to make a profit or to, um, you know, to profit off of the popularity of the beer, but more, uh, it, it's a function to be able to pay for them to be monks at the Abbey. Sure. So it's, it's all about, um, self-sustaining as opposed to just milking the uh, popularity of your beer. Yeah. 
yeah, that that makes sense. I'm I'm glad that there is still something like this that that exists, right? Like here in the U.S., we talk a lot about big beer versus you know microbreweries versus nanobreweries versus home breweries and things like that. Um, this is one that I honestly Trappist beers very very rarely, if ever. Yeah, same here. I mean, in general, I've made it very evident uh, that Belgian beers in general are like lower on the priority chain for me. That's slowly changing, but especially Trappist. Um, right. And especially with how how few trap, uh, official Trappist um, abbeys uh, there are that are producing official Trappist beer. Right. So it, it feels it feels pretty special to be able to have this and i'm kind of sad it's it's only one 33 cl bottle that's what i was gonna say so we were just talking about cls 33 cls for this you can get six in one case um you can also get i guess a pack that has two trappist glasses uh, in it so that that was one of sweet. the things um back in i think it was 2011 or 2009 i was reading it was the first time that shelton brothers was able to import it mm. and they imported it in um, those cases and i remember seeing those when they came out um everybody was freaking out because i think they were total wine maybe um and you had to get the pack and it was like i don't know, I think you said like six bottles and two of the like goblet trappist style yep. m- m- um, cups yep so uh, i'm not like i said i'm not sure where this bottle specifically came from out of all that but um it has traveled a long long way I love some of the um, the comments about this beer in particular as well. Uh, it, a beer like this, too, takes advantage of some of the features that we have on Untapped. Things like tagged friends, where you're able to share it with a lot of different friends and um, make it easy for, for those friends to... Or make it easy for your diary, at least, to include everyone that was there for this sort of momentous occasion. Uh, but also the ability to translate check-in comments. I'm able to go through this and, you know, folks in Italy, folks in uh, Belgium, in France, etc. Uh, check their check-in comments and see what they've said. Impressed with the balance, complexity, uh, dark fruits, like we said, nuts, almonds, chocolate waffle. Yeah. <laughs> Overall, I mean, obviously, this is all machined uh, text translations for, for these in particular. Um, but... It, it helps to kind of give you a sense of what folks think across the world. Russian, uh, coffee. Coffee, soft, expensive, dried fruit, prunes. I get it. I, I totally get it. Rich probably was the expensive word. Um, you know, like the, the, the actual soft and rich dried fruit flavors. You kind of get a lot of that. I do agree with this one. Seems impossible. It's 10.2. I, I would have to agree. Yep. Yeah, I I do get a little bit of a sediment on the bottom of my glass. Um, oh, I think you got the second half of the bottle. Sorry. But but that's only to say, like, <laughs> something from 2015. I, I think this is probably the one of the oldest beers that I've had before. Um, I don't tend to keep bottles around uh, to try and age them, you know, keep vintages or verticals or anything like that. So... Um, this is this is just a really neat opportunity for us to try something new, and uh, it's not in California, folks. <laughs> this is true for it's those of California. you for those of you who are not happy about our constant <laughs> California shout out. We 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 went pretty far on this one, and I will say I I think I've discovered one of my favorite comments in this feed: Chipotle Modelo and a Westy Twelve Sidecar Living. Oh boy. <laughs> 
So, have any of you had the um, the fortune of trying out the Westy 12? You should definitely let us know what you thought on uh, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram by tagging us at Untapped. All right, let's move on to our sponsored badges here on Untapped. We've had we've got a couple of core badges coming up as well we'll probably talk about those next episode uh but for this episode let's talk about some sponsored badges we haven't had these in a while no we haven't um it's been quiet but uh as the holidays approach uh, we've got some more stuff coming out here speaking of the holidays the first one we have up for you is ipas for the holidays now holidays to me usually say dark or um, stout or you know something celebration ale cele- is, is one don't don't get me started that's mm-hmm. one of my all-time favorites mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. i wait for that every year and i haven't picked it up yet oh gotta gotta get that it's the season man yes it's it is season. but but um you know we we all love ipas so why not mix a few in there you know um so dogfish heads here with a new badge for you uh check into any of the following dogfish head ipas between november 1st and december 31st and you'll unlock up to three levels of their brand new ipas for the holidays Badge. The list includes the 60, 75, and 90 and 120 minute IPAs, the Flesh and Blood, the Liquid Truth Serum, the Lupuluau. I always mess that one mm-hmm, up. Mm-hmm. Uh, 61 and their Viniferous IPA. Um, I have to say, real quick, I love, uh, we've talked about Paul Shim and his photos before, oh, yes. uh, but he did one with the 60 and 90 minute uh, being poured into each other to make the 75 minute. Uh, it's a great Instagram post. If you're not following him, I highly recommend it, but it's it, very good. No, no, that's a well-deserved shout out. I'll yep. check that one out. Um, and Dogfish had actually recently, um, they released a new variety pack, uh, which features the Viniferous, the 61, the 60 minute and the 90 minute. So Pick one of those up, and it'll definitely help you on your way to level three. Yeah. The next one we have here, which is pretty fun. This made its rounds in the uh, beer news world. It's the Mr. IPA Nut Badge. Uh, Mr. Peanut, everyone's favorite wing nut, takes the perfect pairing of beer and planter's peanuts to the next level with Mr. Peanut IPA, a flavorful IPA brewed in partnership with Noon Whistle Brewery. Now, this is an interesting one that I'm curious about. I did read a bit about it saying like uh, when they were talking about it, why not make a brown ale or, you know, something that's more along the lines of peanuts and planners really just wanted to try something totally different, uh, which is kind of how they landed on the IPA round. Well, in Noon Whistle, I think, I correct me if I'm wrong, is mostly known for their sours. Uh, they can a lot of different sours. They have this really cool looking can, obviously. We're not going to talk about the the can art here, but uh, the <laughs> the Mister Peanut is very iconic, right? And uh, the the sort of face with the monocle. what looks like a monocle, but is now like a sudsy beer in it. Uh, it's a nice look. play. Yeah. It's it's a really good, really really good looking can. Um, this is not one that I really kind of expected from Noon Whistle, but is really really cool to see the first really honestly that I've ever heard uh, with peanuts in an ipa yeah i mean and you think about it, you hit up a bar and you're gonna have a beer and maybe they'll drop you a uh, little small bowl of peanuts to enjoy with it so why not just um, put the two together and cut out the middleman there i've got to try it I, i'm not <laughs> i will absolutely not pass judgment on it because it does like you said it it sounds like walking into a saloon and crunching on the floor a bit to me but Maybe, you know, best of both worlds. Yes, exactly. Um, You can unlock this badge by simply checking into one Mr. IPA nut from Noon Whistle. 
this is available between November 1st and December 1st. So you've got the month of November to hook it up. The next badge we have coming out here is BrewDog's Month of Darkness 2018. Um, insert darkness sounds here. Mm-hmm. Coming right off of Halloween. I know. It's, it felt slightly appropriate. <laughs> uh, so succumb to the dark side or become a beery night of the dark watch. Accept darkness into your heart. Basically, join BrewDog as they celebrate the Month of Darkness 2018, which is a celebration of delicious dark beers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can unlock this badge by checking into five different beers, which are listed on our blog, at any of the Brewdog locations, which are also listed on our blog, during the month of November. So you only have one month to uh, to uh, to get this one. This one's mostly targeted at our um, UK users. So mm-hmm. be sure to hop over to our blog, which is blog.untap.com. Scroll down a little and find this badge, and you'll get all the lists you need to figure out how to unlock it. There are a lot of dark beers on that list. They aren't just brew dogs. No, uh, no, dark it's, beers. it's quite a few different breweries. Yep. So go check that list out. And then the last one we have up for you today is National Lager Day with Devil's Backbone Vienna Lager. So December 10th, that is National Lager Day. Coming up. Wow, that's a that's a month away. Are you kidding? <sighs> Time flies. I know. Wow. We're going to get there. Uh, so since it is coming up, um, our friends at Devil's Backbone want to celebrate. Uh, and what better way than to celebrate with their award-winning Vienna Lager? Uh, you can unlock this badge by checking into one of Devil Backbone's Vienna Lagers between November 10th and December 10th. Obviously, we are getting started early to give you enough time to work your way up to that uh, to that Lager Day. Yep. And they've got that, that whole brand new look for all their yes. cans and bottles. So go... Go grab one of those and uh, and hope you enjoy. Want to show off your love of Untapped? Check out our online store. Pick up Untapped branded glassware, shirts, sweatshirts, hats, and more. Go to store.untapped.com by typing on your keyboard just like Tim is right now and enter the coupon code podcast at checkout to get 20% off as he slowly puts his head down and realizes that I did hear it all. That's right. Go to store.untapped.com and enter the coupon code podcast at checkout to get 20% off. You can just type that in right now. Go ahead. All right, let's take a look at some of the interesting beer articles that we found this week. The first article we have up for you is coming from Thrillist.com. And for some reason, it's just not surprising me in the least. Okay. The uh, headline here, this brewery is launching a new airline where craft beer flows like water. Now, coming from an airline where all of the liquor was free, which Ooh. was pretty, that was nice on the flight. Ooh. Did not take full advantage of it, but it, it was it was nice not having to pull my credit card out if I wanted to get a, a, a beer or some wine. Mm-hmm. I would see the thing is going across the the ocean across the Pacific. I I sort of went the opposite way that you went for for my trip to Japan. Uh, but I was on a Air China flight where they did. It was either like you want orange juice or you could take this can of Chinese beer. And I most definitely did the latter and in, enjoyed myself as much as as I possibly could while sitting in a chair for thirteen hours. Um, Heineken was the only one available on my flight. Okay, not bad. That's pretty good. I, what is going to be offered, though, on this flight? Well, as everyone knows, the only respite from the hellish nightmare that is modern day air travel is an in-flight cocktail, uh, you know, or two. 
but obviously take it easy because you don't want to turn the plane around. You do want to be able to get off of the flight eventually. Yeah. Yes, that is true. Um, it's especially nice when you, you know, you get a good rapport with the flight attendant and they hook you up with a little extra or maybe forget to charge you. Uh, that's always nice. Uh, but now you'll soon be able to cross the Atlantic on a carrier that's entirely dedicated to keeping your thirst quenched and your stomach full thanks to BrewDog. First it's uh, breweries, then it's pubs, then it's hotels, now it's airlines. Which kind of, I mean, it's all in hospitality, right? They're they're making their way into the psyche, I guess, of beer travelers. And much like you did uh, going to Europe, this is, there are folks going over either, you know, either way across the Atlantic to explore whatever beer is offered in either the United States or wherever BrewDog's flying to. Yes, this is true. And I, I will say right now, before we get too deep into this, that the headline is a little misleading. Uh-oh. But we'll, we'll find out more it, as it, we it, go. It made it sound like the toilets would be flushing with beer. And the you go and wash your hands, and it's a, a pale ale coming out of the faucet, right? <laughs> like, it's literally flowing like water. Or the plane run itself runs on, uh, like, high ABV uh, kettles. Uh, you know, Russian Imperial stouts, whatever. That would be that would be a nice way to to go. I I kind of <laughs> I I don't obviously that's not how it's going to work. No, but, no, no. But I can dream. So BrewDog is launching what they're calling the world's first craft beer airline, complete with onboard beer experts, loads of food, and of course, lots and lots of craft beer. BrewDog, as we know, is a Scotland-based brewery that also has a large American outpost with its now uh, its own on-premise beer-themed hotel near Columbus, Ohio, which we've uh, we've I think we discussed in the past, and most people in the beer circles have seen this uh, popping up. Um, they just announced they will be chartering a jet to take up to 240 passengers from London to Columbus on a special beer beer-fueled flight. Not uh, not fully beer fueled like you're sure. talking. Though. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. All right. Uh, the boozy flight uh, it will be followed by a four night stay in Columbus, uh, filled with all sorts of beer themed activities. Uh, as for what to expect during the Brewdog Air flight, uh, Brewdog says passengers will be able to sample a special limited edition beer designed specifically for high altitude consumption, in addition to a number of other beers they make. Uh, there will also be special food and beer pairings, all presented by a cabin crew that's been trained by a certified Cicerone. That's incredible. Sounds wow. A, sounds a bit better than I, – I, I was blown away by just getting served a meal on a flight, let alone a <laughs> beer-paired meal. That's, Hi, I'm a Michelin star chef, and I'm bringing you your in-flight meal today. <laughs> exactly. That would be pretty pretty fantastic. Mm-hmm. Imagine chef's table chartered flights. Oh, y- yes, yes. Uh, I, what I'm thinking now is like Netflix is going to be the next one, right? They're going to say, mm, forget in-flight entertainment. Like you, you get a access to only Netflix shows. Now you can binge your way through an entire season of Stranger Things from Ohio to the UK. Uh, okay, that, All that, right. that does pose an interesting question. How long until Netflix gets an exclusivity contract with an airline to be the sole in-flight provider of mm. entertainment? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes sense to me. I mean, what a subscription to Netflix has to be cheaper than whatever the airlines are. <laughs> <laughs> you wait, well, hold on. I'm, I'm looking at my account. It says I'm sharing with flight 465, <laughs> flight 826. Okay, when when did I authorize those? That's. I, I don't think I, I, I forgot to log out. <laughs> Now, you know, honestly, 
you can still sign into your Netflix account from hotel rooms now. And when you check out, it's supposed to sign you out, supposedly. Yes. But, it, you know, those smart TVs now will let you sign into your Netflix account just so you can leverage that while you're, I guess, waiting to acclimate to the time change or, you know, whatever. Uh, I love this idea. Let's get back to the planes. I love the idea of this. I am wary of the amount of choices on the flight. I love that they'll have a Cicerone, but liquid, how expensive is liquid to transport on a flight? I know it's, you're super, super weighed down on like rocket flights, right? The the amount of cargo that you have is very, very important. And they're counting ounces to make sure that they're maximizing, you know, the amount of money they're paying for the rocket force. I don't know if that same sort of thing applies for flights, but, you know, how many beer options are they going to have? Is it going to be, can you get a flight on the flight? See, now that would be good. I would love that yes. to be able to try a whole bunch of different beers. But I did not read specifically in this article uh, how exactly what they're going to offer. Obviously, there's the, the special edition that they talked about and some other BrewDog beers, but um, not specifically which ones. Um, but the inaugural uh, BrewDog Airlines flight and trip will take place uh, from February 21st to the 25th of next year. It'll be open exclusively to members of BrewDog's community of uh, 90,000 crowdfunders. So they have that whole... Um, BrewDog um, crowdfunding sort of thing where mm-hmm. everybody gets a little bit of, you know, quote unquote stock in BrewDog. Um, and that's their whole um, their whole thing there. So people there will be allowed, or be the first to um, get the offer. Um, and tickets are priced at $1,600 a person. A transatlantic flight plus four night stay, stay at this beer fueled hotel where mm-hmm. basically you have taps in every room and your shower is a pale ale. I mean, I guess that I could see it. I could see that. Um, uh, the February trip is the only one. So here's the, here's the catch. This February trip is actually the only one that the brewery has on the books. Mm. So, you know, launching their own airline versus <laughs> chartering a single flight. Mm, little, little clickbait on that one. Yeah. But, uh, it is possible that they might offer more trips, um, between Columbus and Scotland in the future. So, you know, if this works out and they get people on it, I could see, you know, chartering a, a flight a week, uh, yeah. to bring those, those beer fans over to the new hotel. It seems like they should also run maybe a, a contest, flight, flights for flights. You know, you, you get a flight at a BrewDog location. You get a – the, the I got a golden I was just thinking that, yeah. Now, whatever. You, like, I got, a, I, got a, I got a golden ale. You pick, you, pick up the, you pick up your glasses and underneath <laughs> one of them is a golden something. I don't know. I'm not saying that there's a Willy Wonka of BrewDog, but, but – this does sound like a really cool thing to do. I'm, I, <laughs> I would be, I would love it if they would charter flights from Columbus, uh, you know, back, back there. Uh, maybe we can go, you know, Columbus to London and then back. Who knows? In yeah. the future, untapped podcast on the road or the, the air, if you would. <laughs> Traveling somewhere. <laughs> uh, our next article is coming from comicbook.com, interestingly enough. Okay. Uh, this is StarCraft. It's getting its own line of beers at BlizzCon 2018. So uh, for those of you who are not familiar with the gaming world, um, Blizzard Entertainment is a, um, a a game, a software and game maker. Um, I think they're mostly popular right now for Overwatch. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've been around for quite a while with StarCraft being one of their first big hits way back, um, I don't know, eh, when we oh, were in junior high. Ago. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yep. And uh, every year they have a conference uh, called BlizzCon, 
uh, which is held um, down in Anaheim. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think they, they were in your old neck of the woods, um, Blizzard, right? They're out in um, Irvine. Irvine, yes. Yep. There yep. we are. Um, anyway, so StarCraft was one of their big first hit games. It was a real-time strategy game. Um, I played the crap out of that game. It was one of my favorites. It's basically, um, if you've ever seen uh, Red Alert or the Command & Conquer series, where you move little little folks around on a big map and uh, fight other folks on the map. You had three. There were, it's space-based, futuristic. You had the, the Terran, which were the human equivalent. You there had the Zerg, which were the aliens. And mm-hmm. You had the Protoss, which were like the super alien beings. And you did missions or you could do multiplayer. So my friends and I, we played this all the time at LAN parties, which I could just go down a rabbit hole. Anyway, we, we played a lot of this game. And so <laughs> it's very special. I actually I have a friend, um, shout out to Chris, who if he, I don't know if he listens, but he actually works uh, for mm. um, Blizzard. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's pretty amazing to have a buddy that we used to like nerd out to this stuff. Play who, those who made games, his way there, but yeah. have someone. Yeah, that's, that's pretty neat. I... I did play StarCraft a little bit, uh, so I'm I'm aware of uh, the mining for the ore and or whatever else was. was you had in to get there. the ore and the Vespian gas. Yes, yes. So I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm I'm slightly aware of those, uh, but my wheelhouse was always Red Alert Two. Oh yeah, and, and I can probably name all of the taunts left to right on uh, on the keys for the U.S. France, you know, every, everyone, Libya, just everything. <laughs> All the countries. It's awful. Awful. But awfully amazing. Awfully amazing. Now when you when you say StarCraft, um Oh, I yeah, see a good play there. I didn't I, even catch that. That's not the craft this is not the craft beer you're looking for. Oh boy. It's not the yeah, We're crossing beer. our world. world you're, you're, you're right. Sorry. Okay. So what's going on? So when fans head to BlizzCon later this week, which I believe is actually happening this week, um, uh, they'll not only be able to uh, feel their favorite games, they'll be able to drink them too. Mm-hmm. It's part of the 20th anniversary celebration of the franchise. Wow, 20 years. <laughs> 20 years. Wow, that dates it because that was like my favorite. Did, wow. Did you just did you just have a wave of old yes. fall over you? I completely like, did. Whoop. Um, as part of the celebration, StarCraft is actually getting its own line of beers that we distributed throughout the event uh, to those who are 21 and over, of course. Um, at, so here's the announcement. Uh, basically, at BlizzCon on November 2nd to 3rd, okay, so yeah, it's pretty much, uh, it's over now. That was last week. Um, they'll be serving up four different uh, con-exclusive StarCraft 20th anniversary beers with our friends from, you guessed it, who could be the nerdy brewery that would participate in this? Bottle Logic. Of course. They're amazing, and this lines up so well. Uh, one for each classic StarCraft uh, race and a special commemorative anniversary ale the company revealed in a press release. So when are we going to be tearing into one of these, Tim? Oh, we are not. We are not, unfortunately. It was very exclusive. Tearing. Yeah, no, I got it. Okay, all right. I get you. <laughs> I get you. The four flavors consist of Haze of Eden Hazy Pale Ale, the Nidus Nectar Tart Ale, the stim pack stout, which I remember stim packs. That was like the uh, the um, little thing you give your uh, Terran guys to give them an extra boost. Oh, my gosh. And the power overwhelming IPA. They're all only going to be available around the Anaheim Convention Center at the uh, Marriott Hotel Bar and other Marriott's in the area while supplies last. So, I mean, it's it's the fifth today. 
this is the second or the third. I don't know if they've got any left. No, more than likely not. I mean, this is one of those things where uh, Bottle Logic is also very well known for making these super limited run beers um, and also canning, you know, spectacular beers. I love that they are all different kinds of, of beers, uh, you know, a Berliner, a Stout, Hazy Pale Ale. Um, it, it's really neat to see uh, them, you know, working with Blizzard here on on something, you know, very, very specific to just folks who loved this game. Um, and uh, I I don't know. I think it's I think it's really neat. It's it's the day of interesting pairings or interesting um, collaborations for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Our next article up comes from Brewbound.com. Normally, we steer away from like specific beer release news because I mean, you go to a lot of the news webs or the beer news websites, and the industry news is really just about oh, this brewery released this beer and this brewery released this beer, and it gets uh, it can get a little old, but. Um, speaking of old, Anchor Brewing Company is releasing the 44th annual Christmas ale. Now, I love their Christmas ale. Mm-hmm. I actually saw it. Um, I've seen it starting to make its rounds, and I almost picked it up last night. Uh, but then I saw this, and I saw that it, it's the 44th anniversary. That kind of blew my mind, and I just felt like we had to we had to kind of touch on that a little bit. Mm-hmm. So uh, Anchor Brewing Company announced uh, its release of the 2018 Christmas ale. Uh, which is a subtly spiced and uh, sumptuously smooth winter warmer. This year's beer marks the 44th annual release of this holiday tradition from Anchor. That's that's really hard. I mean, like you said, coming across something where it says 44 years for something, it's we will see, you know, down in San Diego, 20-year anniversaries for breweries. And we'll see... Hell, for Los Angeles here, we're seeing like three, four, five. For, for places just north of us in like Ventura County, I started seeing like two-year. I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah, which is great. Obviously, you know, I love seeing folks uh, literally celebrate uh, their, you know, accomplishments and being around year to year. Yes, Uh, definitely. But when you see a big number like 44, it's really kind of hard to believe, I guess. But Anchor's been one of those, obviously, the you know, the staple of of craft beer for such a long time. This is true. Um, Actually, back in 1975 is when they released their first holiday beer. Um, in America since Prohibition. Uh, and year after year, Anchor creates a new secret recipe with a unique hand-drawn label for their Christmas ale. Um, but the attempt with each brew remains the same. Joy for the changing seasons and celebration of the newness of life, which I always, I love that sentiment mm. right there. Um, with a heavily guarded confidential recipe, Christmas ale is 6.9% ABB. It's sold from early November to mid-January. So you have a few months to go pick it up and I would definitely... I would definitely recommend checking it out because it's it's one of those, along with Celebration Ale, I'd say Anchor's Christmas um, Ale is one of those two beers that I always look for that mm-hmm. really distinguishes the, uh, you know, the holiday spirit to me. It, it, it definitely signals uh, family holiday parties for me as well. When I, when I find those two in the cooler, you're like, oh, I mean, the weather can be super warm outside, but it's still those beers are the ones that kind of put me in the, in the holiday mood. Yes, indeed. Um, and as as each Christmas re- recipe evolves, so does its hand-drawn packaging, um, which is created by a longtime Anchor illustrator, uh, Jim Stitt, uh, who has actually been creating Anchor's Christmas ale, ale label since 1975. Now, I didn't know this. I had no idea that they were, one, hand-drawn, and two, that they changed year to year. It's very subtle. Like, I feel like it's pretty subtle. It's usually the same shape, um, same style. So mm-hmm. because it's the same style, it tends to feel the same. 
But if you do look at them, they all are slightly Just different. Minor differences. Wow. That's that's incredible. So since ancient times, trees have symbolized the winter solstice when the earth with its seasons appears born anew. Which, I mean, that does make sense. The trees. We don't they, see as much of that down here in Southern California. But, yeah. you know, it, yeah, it, it's nice to when you go to a place that either has snow or has literal seasons that we don't have here in Southern California. It's really nice to, to, to see something like that. That makes it feel like it's, you know, the holiday season. This is very true. Um, for the 2018 release, Stitt created uh, a brimming Korean pine tree for the label. Really? Yeah, native to both North and South Korea, the Korean pine tree is a symbol of peace and a reminder of the spirit of the season. Uh, it's flourished in the picturesque... Uh, it, it actually it flourishes in the um, botanical gardens just north of San Francisco, which is Anchor's home. So mm-hmm. a little bit of a little bit of symbols, a little tying it to home. Well, and also this was recently the uh, when North and South Korea met. Yes, that too. Those those were the trees that they planted. Oh yes, you're which right. Is that's wild. true. Yeah, that's I mean, a good well, point. Not, not wild. They're probably trees that anyway. <laughs> Sorry, tree tree jokes. Uh, this this is really cool. I love thinking though about these labels as like botanical drawings less as like beer labels sure like uh like um back when people would go and catalog the plants in other countries like expeditions to catalog plants Mm -hmm. you get those cool Mm -hmm. scientific drawings yeah yes i i think that that's super super cool um i would i'm gonna have to go back a couple years and see if i can dig up what previous years look like and compare them to to this year's i actually i have a magnum of last year's or the year before it was really it was like 20 bucks and i picked it up and i'm like i'm gonna get this because it's awesome and i've never owned a magnum of beer before and then it sits because what am i gonna do open it up myself (laughs) no uh episode 37 is coming up so maybe uh, (laughs) magnum of celebration ale boy or not sorry magnum of um, christmas ale yeah I have to share it with the people in the office here. We will definitely have to. There's <laughs> no way that we can do that ourselves. Oh, boy. Uh, okay. Our last article, um, it's also coming from brewbound.com. Um, this one is the Yakima Chief Hops releases the Pink Boots blend. Okay. So the leading American-based global hop supplier, Yakima Chief Hops, um, has released its second annual Pink Boots blend in collaboration with the Pink Boots Society, which is an international nonprofit organization supporting women in the brewing profession. Awesome. Um, I have seen uh, quite a few um, Pink Boots collaborations uh, of beers, but I did not know that they had their own mix of hops. Now, we are coming, I believe we're coming off of the hop harvest season. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that was the last couple of months where, you know, we, we had all these stories about Breweries going up, rubbing the hops, getting a good whiff, and choosing their selections. I loved watching that play itself out on Instagram, and you know, seeing head brewers uh, go to these farms and just just rub rub them rub them in their hands and just have you know tons of hop flowers all over their face, and it's standing on huge piles of hops, and oh yeah, it's. Coming from, you know, the the world where a lot of that has been hidden in in beer in the past, you know, I love getting sort of a glimpse into that and and seeing and also like seeing all of the brewers that are a part of that men, women, you know, everyone from every walk of life 
coming together and sharing that with craft beer drinkers on Instagram is really, really cool. Oh, definitely. And it's funny. It was almost like every other day it was a different brewery that was there. So it's like they rotated their schedule out. So <laughs> yeah. just Instagram was just full of, full of well, it. Well, plus that, that algorithmic timeline, man. I have no idea what day it is. This is true. So available for a limited time to commercial brewers, this uh, seasonal proprietary hop blend celebrates women in the beer and brewing industries. And a portion of the proceeds actually goes to benefit Pink Boots Society's scholarship funds. Uh, sales and proceeds from the 2018 Pink Boots blend actually contributed about $40,000 for the Pink Boots Society Scholarship Fund, which uh, helps to offer educational opportunities to women in the beer and brewing industries, um, which is fantastic. Um, educational opportunities include technical and non-technical seminars, courses, and tours that empower women to advance their careers in the beer and brewing professions, as well as scholarship opportunities um, that are open to any women um, anywhere, really, who are actively employed in the beer industry. All the way across the world, which is really cool. Yes. Really good to see. Yeah, the Pink Boots Society is doing some amazing things in mm-hmm. the industry. Mm-hmm. That is for sure. Um, each year, Yakima Chief staff, uh, Hop Staff and Pink Boots Society members gather around a table filled with a wide variety of hop samples, which we were just talking about. Love. Oh, it's so cool. Um, they, they actually do it during the Great American Beer Festival in Denver. So we, mm. well, we, didn't, we missed it. I, we definitely missed it. What were, we, what were we doing? Where was the table of hops there? I have, I have no There's idea. There's probably a back room somewhere yeah. full of, oh, we missed out. Uh, the, the team, they carefully rub, smell, and experience each of the hop samples as we were discussing. Um, and then they decide on the recipe for the blend to be released the following year. Uh, the Pink Boots Society is then, um, the blend is then released to registered brewers prior to International Women's Day on March 8th. And mm. the brewers are encouraged to create their own cele- celebratory brews. So this, I'm looking forward to that. Because I remember, I believe last year, um, Three Weavers um, released a Pink, yeah. Pink Boots branded um, collaboration beer. Yep. I don't remember if it had this hop in it or the, their blend, but it wouldn't surprise me. So as we get closer to March 8th, we're going to have to um, keep an eye out for uh, beers that were made with this blend because that would be pretty pretty fantastic. Yeah, I'd love to be able to highlight that kind of stuff uh, on this show. Yes, indeed. And the upcoming Pink Boots blend actually consists of a well-rounded mix of Pacific Northwestern hop varieties, which is going to make you very happy, including the Laurel or the uh, the Yanni. Yanni. Is that still a Sorry, thing? what? Yeah, no. The Yanni hops? Wow, that was months ago. No one, <laughs> no one knows what that is. It includes Laurel, Mosaic, Simcoe, Sabro, and Glacier. So it's actually uh, going to be a blend of five different hops. That's I love that. Pretty That's, fantastic. Uh, and also uh, some that you really don't see much of in uh, like single hop varieties ever. Glacier, you know. I, I don't know if I've actually heard of Glacier being used personally, but hey, who knows? Um, the collaboration creates a, or the combination, excuse me, creates a high aroma hop blend that contributes citrus, earthy, and fruity aroma and flavor characteristics to the beers, which I mean, all of those are words that we like with our beers. Yep. Northwest, Northwest, Northwest. Check. Got it. Show notes are available at podcast.untapped. If you've got any questions for us, we also have uh, a segment that we want to do next episode about your uh, stories for any milestone beers that you've had. We actually had some really, really great stories sent in. So I want to kind of put a end to the the entrance for those. If you have any that you've been meaning to send in, please send them in to us. If you have a story about reaching 1,000, 2,500, any specific uh, milestone in your untapped um, journey here, that, that would qualify. 
because I will be telling the story of mine. Uh, if you haven't seen on Instagram, <laughs> you can go check it out, but I'll be talking about it next time. Uh, you can also connect with us and send those in to at Untapped on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Great. Until next week. Cheers. Cheers.